Hey, welcome to TBT's podcast. I'm Dan Friel. For this episode, we're going to do the first of a series of throwback pods. Over the last couple of years, we've talked to quite a few of the more interesting and entertaining people involved in TBT over Google Hangouts, which are actually on our YouTube page at youtube.com backslash TBT basketball. There's a lot of really great stuff on there, and we're going to turn some of the best of those into shorter throwback podcasts. For this one, we've got an interview with Eric Fisher of the Jabroni Project. Eric's a really smart, funny guy, and I think you'll enjoy what he has to say about why he started the team. Oh, and don't forget, you can subscribe to TBT's podcast on iTunes. If you like what you're hearing, leave us a review. It'll help spread the word. Thanks. Hey, this is Dan Friel, and I have with me today Eric Fisher, the GM of the Jabroni Project. Eric, how are you doing? Doing well. How are you, Dan? I'm doing great. Hey, Eric, I wanted to ask you first, right off the bat, um, the name Jabroni Project is unique, but perhaps if there are degrees of uniqueness, which I know they're not, but if there were, what is the deal with this logo? Okay, so this logo, my good buddy Joe Winograd, who is one of the first people I met when I went to Wash U, he's an artist that does really trippy stuff. He's done um, stuff for Dylan Francis, uh, the DJ, when he goes on tour. He's done some of those visuals. He does all these GIFs that are uh, lenticular prints. And when I decided that I was going to do the Jabroni Project, which was a weird name, and needed a weird logo. So he seemed like the perfect guy to go to. Uh, the actual logo itself, people get kind of confused by it. It's a Jerboa. That came about because I kept texting people, you know, like, become a fan of the Jabroni Project. And uh, my iPhone kept auto-correcting it to Jerboa. For those of you that don't know, Jerboas are small, like, mouse-like rodents. Um, so, so, yeah, <laughs> that's a Jerboa holding a basketball. Eric, is it, is it a GIF or a GIF? It's choosy moms choose GIF, choosy uh, choosy designers or something choose GIF. So it is GIF. I didn't know that. I always thought it was GIF. Yeah, I correct people a lot, and they're like, "You sure?" And I'm like, "Yes." Interesting. So let me ask you: You're a two L at Georgetown. Are you having a hard time explaining to your otherwise stressed out fellow law students why you're able to have some fun in the course of your two L year? Um, I think that people already got the sense that I was kind of like one of the looser canons in the law school field. I mean, I, I think I, you know, the mustache alone kind of establishes me as one of like the less serious characters. Um, which, is, which is not a high bar to meet when you're in law school, right? Right. And that's not to say that I don't take my studies seriously. I'm just always the guy who's like, has some other big idea. I mean, that's what keeps me going through law school. I always need to be thinking of, of the next thing. I, I enjoy you know, the, the subject matter, obviously, uh, otherwise I wouldn't be here. Um, but it can definitely be a grind. And especially when you're spending so much time on a computer, it's nice to have something where when you're taking a study break, you know, you can bother people to sign up for a few minutes. You can try to recruit players. It, it actually fits in pretty nicely with, with my schedule. But do yeah. You, do you do any recruiting during class? Um, so at, the cafeteria is a big one for me where I'll be sitting down with my classmates. And the thing is with law students, just in general, I feel like are less sports interested than the general population. So the, it's kind of difficult to convince people to, to sign up and people think I'm a little crazy, but, but I think they roll with it. I think they know that, you know, most of the things they do are, are good natured and, and, you know, in pursuit of fun. So most of them end up going along, but it does take a little bit of bad. Well, how, are you, how are you, I mean, the votes are one thing and obviously you're uh, connected with Facebook and other forms of social media. You're pretty active on Twitter, but how are you recruiting the players for this team? So it started off with actually Reddit. So I, tra um, I tracked down this thread from last year. I guess somebody on Reddit, Ara NBA, 
was trying to start a team last year and they didn't end up getting it going, but I kind of read the list and it was just like, it was a really funny thread because it was like, we're going to start a threat. We're going to start a team. It's only going to be people from our NBA who here plays basketball. And they just like had this list and it's like user, like Joe Schmo, like I'm the best guy at my YMCA and like, he's on the team. And like, so I'm going through it and there's one guy, it's like, I play D1 and it's like, okay, that's the guy I'm going to reach out to, <laughs> to out of all these. So that guy's name is uh, Brett Burrier. Um, he's a local Baltimore guy. Uh, I guess he played at UMBC and then went D3 uh, to Stevenson after some injuries. Uh, So he was the first guy I got on board. Honestly, I didn't hear back from him for a few weeks. I think he was busy with work. So I was like, oh, crap. But, you know, I got one guy in and he ditched me. A lot of outreach through Twitter. Um, And then Brett got back to me and said that, you know, not only would he play, he has two buddies who have played in Europe. So that really gave us an advantage. One of them is Robbie Jackson, who's a seven-footer. The other is Jimmy Dorsey, who, you know, is an up-and-coming point guard in uh, the second Bundesliga. So, you know, two great guys to have on board. Um, And then from there, it got a little easier. I've been Facebook messaging a bit with a few guys. Uh, Marshawn Norris came on board. We actually had a guy on our team for a few days, Kyle McDonald, who actually reached out to us through Twitter. Um, He decided he wanted to play the field. No no hard feelings there, but he brought on his buddy Marshawn. uh, So he'll be a point guard for us. Um, And I think the best story is actually... There are these groups on Facebook for international basketball players. And it's like this corner of the internet that I feel like even the most diehard basketball fans might not realize because when you think of people playing abroad, you think of like the big names playing abroad. Like, you know, I'm a guy who played at Duke and I didn't get drafted or I didn't make it in the D League. And now I'm like, you know, playing in Spain or, you know, some big league. Um, but this guy, so his name's Legend Lawson. And I, I posted in. Uh, an international group, you know, hey, we're looking for players. This guy plays, you know, in, I I guess, a a lower-level professional league in Mexico. He's putting up 30 points per game there. He's hungry. He, I mean, you know, he looks like he hasn't had the best of luck so far, you know, playing in Mexico, although, you know, he still is getting paid to play basketball, so I guess he he can't complain too much. But, you know, a a guy looking for, you know, his big opportunity. So, yeah, that's a really cool kind of, you know, guy to bring on board. Yeah, just like a really interesting place on the internet where people are just like constantly posting highlight videos and resumes and just like, I have a U.S. passport. I will go anywhere and play anything. So I guess he was probably a little happier that he only has to go to Atlanta and not like Belize, like some of the other guys uh, in that group. Well, it's it's really amazing when you look at – so I went through Eurobasket, which is – yeah. have you been on that yet? Yes, I have. It's awesome. And you can find every player that's ever played in the last like three or five years overseas. There's 7,000 Americans that have played professional basketball somewhere in the world over the last three years. So yeah. It's like, it's amazing. All you got to do is just find where these guys are. And it sounds like in that little corner of Facebook, you've kind of reached some of them out there, huh? Yeah. I mean, I'd say that those tend to be the guys who haven't made it yet, the guys who are trying to make it to a major international league. The, the ones who – so. Right now, we have a guy who plays in Israel, a guy who plays in Qatar, um, the, the guy who plays in Germany. I mentioned those guys don't tend to be in those groups. Um, and, and that's come more from networking, kind of once you get one player, uh, it, it's easier. You know, they have buddies that they played with in Mexico or someone on their Israeli team or something like that. And that's kind of the, the route we're going now. Uh, it also helps that I mentioned before that we kind of have, have like a quasi-agent uh, guy on our side, this guy, Scott Janarian who's a good friend or who's the cousin of one of my good friends in law school. And I just 
happened to meet him by chance. He was like in town visiting. We went to a Wizards game together with uh, my friend, his cousin, um, and we met briefly. And then when I had this idea and had no idea how I was going to recruit players, he's one of the first guys I reached out to. Um, you know, we try to track down some players. People weren't very interested in the beginning. I think, you know, if you're playing internationally um, already, you know, you feel like you have a stable enough paycheck. Some people don't risk the injuries or whatever. Um, so we were having trouble recruiting. But then once I was able to get other guys, I came back to him and was like, look, we already have, you know, a pretty solid core to this team, especially with a seven-footer, which at least looking at the tournament last year, it was on the shorter side. You know, I was able to say, we have an advantage. It's a big, you know, selling point also that we're a number one seed that we've done a pretty good job of recruiting fans without any huge names. I guess we had Doug Anderson, uh, the NCAA dunk champion on our team, also for like two days. He, he left with Kyle, unfortunately. Um, but beyond that, you know, it's been a pretty – the people who are becoming fans are not becoming fans because of the players at this point. It's more because they believe in us and they believe in the mission. And, and that's cool. I mean, it, it's just different from your typical – I guess sports path where you're either a fan due to regional alliances or because you like the players where this is more, I think people are just intrigued where this is going to go. You know, what, what's so difficult about this is because the players come from so many different sources and they're at so many different stages in their careers. It's just impossible to guess how this team's going to perform. Right. Because, you know, we have a seven footer he's played, you know, first Bundesliga in Germany. So clearly has some good experience, but how do you compare him to Hakeem Warwick, who I haven't seen play in years, and who, who knows, you know, what it would be well, like? I, mean, I think in a lot of ways, Eric, it's sort of almost like a boxing match where, you know, guys may have a common opponent here or there, but it doesn't really measure up. And it's almost impossible to know how it's going to work out until you actually see them on the court, you know? Right. And, and it also, you know, you get guys who are great in the NCAA, for instance, and then go to the, to the NBA, and they're terrible and, you know, you're looking at these teams and you're like, okay, these guys, like, they're all D3 guys. Does that mean it's going to be a slower pace? Like, are they probably going to be less physical and more going for the outside shot? And it's just really hard to gauge. And especially in a tournament like this where there's such a wide kind of range in how teams are being put together from, you know, a team of Syracuse alumni down to high school buddies. So even from game to game, it's hard to tell what's going to, you know, work. You'd imagine that against some of these teams that are like high school buddies, we might just be able to feed it to our seven-footer, and they're just frankly not going to have anyone who's equipped to handle someone who's 300 pounds and seven feet. So that you know that's one strategy. But against a team like Syracuse, who knows what we're going to have to do? It might just be you know getting lucky in a lot of outside shots. It might be that you know they're tall, but as far as I've seen so far, they don't have the seven-footer. So it might be going you know a twin towers approach against them. We'll see. Well, so that was what I was going to ask you next is like, so where, where do you see, at least in the Southern region right now, where is most of your competition going to come from? Do you, is there a particular team that you have your eyes on as, as competition yet? Or do you feel like you're not maybe aware of all the teams in there? Well, so the, the Southern region as of now looks a little smaller. I mean, there's an Oklahoma team, which I feel like you know, there's an Oklahoma team and a Virginia team and maybe a Vanderbilt team as well. But as far as I can tell, they haven't recruited players yet. And I haven't, you know, I've followed them on Twitter, want to stalk them out. I haven't seen anything there. But, you know, when you hear those names, you assume that they're going to bring at least some quality guys to play. Um, I mean, again, it, it begs the question, though, if these guys played in college and they're, they've been out a few years and, you know, didn't necessarily go the European path, how competitive they're going to be, I don't know. But I, I think you can't write them off. 
Uh, there's a team Showtime there. I don't know too much about them. They they look like they're high school buddies. It looks like some of them have college experience as yeah, well. Yeah, they actually played last year. Okay. Yeah, so I, I saw that. Filling, and I think they're they're doing some efforts to recruit some some bigger guys this year, maybe to see if they can yeah. squeak out a few wins or possibly win the whole thing. Hey, yeah. let me ask you this: from a um, from a observational standpoint, is there a model GM that you're trying to emulate in some fashion at this point, or are you trying to do strictly your own thing? I don't think there's anyone you can emulate with this. I mean, first off, I, I have to, to give the caveat that my basketball knowledge is extremely limited, especially in um, the, the strategic sense where, you know, at one point someone was asking me like, oh, so like, you know what type of defense we're going to play? And I'm like Googling like types of zone defenses. Cause <laughs> You know, not, not only did I not play, but but I watched mostly NBA. So that's just the sort of thing that I'm not really familiar with. And I'm like, oh, you know, like Dean Smith played a point zone. And according to this Wikipedia article, it's like the easiest to teach a bunch of people who don't normally play together. So so maybe we're going to do that. And like, you know, that, and then someone I'm talking to is like, yeah, you have a seven footer. So like you're going to be a little more flexible than, than you think you are. Um, so to, to pretend that I have like some big strategic plan would, would be uh, – definitely overstating my, my abilities. But I, but I have a vague sense that, you know, I, one of the big things I've been looking at is, is three-point numbers because I know that, you know, if we go against a team like Syracuse and they're as good as we're anticipating, we're going to need to hit some outside shots um, and we're, we're going to want to stretch the floor a bit. So that, that's something, but, you know, that we're looking at. There's also just because a lot of the teams are on the shorter side, we are, you know, talking about trying to bring on not, you know, we already have one seven-footer, maybe get another one, maybe bring on a few six ten guys as well, just so we could have a steady rotation of bigger guys. So in, in that sense, there's a strategy. But beyond that, it, it would be hard to emulate anyone. Are you going to get a coach? Um, so right now it looks like one of the players is going to coach. Uh, I also have a buddy who's a much bigger basketball fan than I am. He's the one that, like, really got me into basketball. He's, like, a Clippers fan. He, like, is the type of guy who will just tweet or will text at me, like, random clips from games that I have no idea why he's watching to begin with. Like, it's like, you know, a Grizzlies Rockets game and he's like a Clippers fan and like, it's the middle of the season. I'm like, why are you watching this? And he's like, just cause I love basketball. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm hoping to, to get him to suit up and, and be in the huddle with me. Um, but yeah, I, I think we're going to leave, trust a lot of it to the players. Um, and then maybe as we gain confidence, figure out a little more what we're doing, maybe, maybe chime in a bit, but I, you know, I, I don't want to interfere too much. And I feel like it, in actuality, what's going to happen is I'm going to get on the sideline and just be like screaming these platitudes, like fundamentals, like <laughs> <laughs> hands up, yeah, hands up, like take the open shot. Don't force. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Hey, so you mentioned a couple minutes ago about the mission of the Jabroni Project and how effective that might be in helping you get fans. Can you kind of give everybody an idea of what that means and what, what does it mean to be part of the Jabroni Project? Sure. So I guess the big thing that draws me to the tournament is this idea of fan empowerment, right? That for the most part, fans are passive consumers of sports. You know, it's some rich guy somewhere who hires a GM who puts together a team. There's not a lot of connection. There isn't, you know, a lot of, you know, fans obviously don't have much input in uh, what players are recruited. The the actual fanmanship is kind of regional. You know, you like the team that your dad liked or you like the team where you grow up, grew up. I like that the Jabroni Project kind of – or the tournament divorces kind of fanship from that. It becomes more about believing in the people themselves. Um, you know, I, I like the tournament model. I think 
that something that I wouldn't like to see? Is it just becoming a playing ground for, I guess, these former college teams? I think it's interesting to have them. But A, I think it, you know, in the sense that the best players from these colleges are going to be in the NBA or stuff. It's never going to be, you know, a true comparison of, you know, I saw an article a few weeks ago, you know, which team has the best uh, or which college produces the best players. And, you know, frankly, you're never going to get, you know, a team of John Wall, or, or at least I don't see that in the next few years of the tournament. Although maybe that, that's a goal one day, um, you know, John Wall against Carmelo to determine Kentucky Syracuse supremacy. So I think while they do play an interesting role and they definitely, you know, get a lot of good names there. I, I think one of the, the things that's cool about the tournament is that anyone can enter and that there can be groups of high school buddies or something. So, you know, I wanted to make sure that I'm following the model of, I guess, Everland Drive, although I, I don't plan on uh, playing. It seems like they're a little more experienced there. I wanted to make I don't sure. think they plan on playing either. Oh, are, are they not playing anymore? <laughs> well, no, I mean, last year, I don't, I don't think it was in their plan to, like, play big minutes in their game. Yeah. And they got there and, you know, some guys backed out. Maybe they thought it was fake or whatever. But that's one thing you got to make sure you have these guys on lockdown is that you're going to make sure they're all showing up. Well, no, people get excited. And there's definitely like network effects where the more players they see, the more names they see. It's people want to be a part of it. But, yeah, I I wanted to make sure there's a spot staked out in the tournament for teams like ours that are just – you know, what happens if I just try to recruit the best people I, I can? And I think it, it keeps it more fun. It, it keeps it interesting. It, it, I mean, I think a lot of people are going to tune in just because they're intrigued what happens with us. You know, I, I can see us winning a few games, especially the way the South is looking right now. Like, we don't have any of the big names. You know, we don't have a Josh Selby. But we're going to put out a starting lineup of people who have played, you know, Israeli basketball, Mexican basketball, Qatari basketball, German basketball. Uh, talking to, you know, a guy who, who was on FC Barcelona in, in Eurobasket at one point. So, I mean, you know, I, I think we're going to have a solid enough team that, that we're not going to be someone you're going to want to take for granted, for sure. That's great. Eric, thank you so much for, for joining us. Uh, remember to go to the tournament.com. The Jabroni Project is on the website in the South region. Eric, do you know how many fans you have right now? Last I looked, and I'm looking pretty obsessively, so this is only like 20 minutes ago, uh, we were at 153 fans. All right, so 153 fans for Jabroni. If you log on now, maybe you'll get 154. Hopefully by the time this airs, they'll be up over 200. Eric, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Take care. All right. Okay, so quick update on the Jabroni Project. They ended up with 403 votes. They earned a buy in the first round. And although they lost a train to go in the second round, it was a really successful year for that team. Looks like they'll be back in 2016. I'm looking forward to hearing from Eric Fisher again as things ramp up in the spring. Hopefully you enjoyed the podcast and don't forget you can subscribe on iTunes. Thanks.